When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the sixth episode of Kiwi and the Bird, Book Nerds in Session. I'm Taylor. I'm Kami. And in this episode, we're going to go into an in-depth discussion about the sweet and adorable Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell. Now, as we discuss everything, and I mean everything, here is your one and only spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. Kami, would you like to give us a spoiler alert sound effect? I will try. <clears throat> <laughs> Okay, let's get on to the episode. Okay, one of my favorite moments in the entire book is the way that Rainbow Rowell kind of describes the first time that Park and Eleanor hold hands. Oh, it was hot. And you wouldn't think it would be hot because it's just holding hands, but the way that she wrote it was just so intimate, and you felt all these emotions, and you had the prior thing of Park giving her double-A batteries and him sharing his comic books with her. And there's just kind of like these little, these little things that like built up and then they hold hands and it's just in, to both characters, it's such a big thing. And you feel that it's a big deal. And it, the way that it's described is just so romantic and it's so sweet. And it's one of my favorites in the entire book. The amount of the emotional care that Park put into the action of holding hands with Eleanor just made it all the better. And it was, like you said, the combination of the perfectly small, the subtle, yet the impactful actions of the lead up to this romance. It just, I was holding the book so tight because I was so excited. And when they held hands, I, I was kind of getting flustered. And like, they're just hand holding, but just the fact that I knew that this was such a pivotal moment for the characters that that such a small, well, such a seemingly small action could make m- me feel so deeply for them. It was just perfection. And that was only in the beginning of the book. That was the beginning of the book. And it, like you said, it was just something that's seemingly small, but it was everything at the same time. It, I was like, I wanted someone to hold my, I wanted someone to hold my hand that made me feel like this. Exactly. And I think it shows how masterful Rainbow Rowell is in the fact that it is just hand-holding. And yet, I'm like, ah, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. All like the butterflies, like, you get all excited. And it's just like, you want, you want it. What page is the hand-holding on? Um, I'm not sure if my pages are the same as yours, but... Or I'm sure maybe I write it down in my notes. It says page 71 on mine. Okay, let me check that. Park describes it as, Holding Eleanor's hand was like holding a butterfly, or a heartbeat. Like holding something complete, and completely alive. I don't know if I could ever think this about myself if someone was holding my hand, because I hate my hand so much. Me too! I'm like, they are holding a boulder, they are holding a a slime ball. My hands get really sweaty. (laughs) But the way he talks just about holding her hand, he just has such an emotional gravity to him. He feels everything so deeply. He does. Right after that passage that you read, he says, As soon as he touched her, he wondered how he'd gone this long without doing it. He rubbed his thumb through her palm and up her fingers and was aware of her every breath. When I was reading this, I was aware of of my every breath because I was like (sighs) (laughs) there's so much heat there's so much kinetic energy there was so much intimacy in such a small moment and I love the way that Eleanor described it in her perspective she starts with if he were to look up at her now he'd know exactly how stupid she was she could feel her face go soft and gummy if Park were to look up at her now he'd know everything he didn't look up He wound the scarf around his fingers until her hand was hanging in the space between them. 
Then he slid the silk in his fingers into her open palm, and Eleanor disintegrated. Just like to feel that with another person would be amazing, you know? Just to have something like that, just to have someone near you and just like the mere thing of holding someone's hand and knowing just how much love and just like how much intimacy there is in that is one, very hard to convey throughout the pages of the book, but also just something that you've always wanted but never knew that you wanted until that moment. Mm -hmm. This moment to me was what really separated Eleanor and Park from other romances because at times other romances they just rush things or the participators aren't really emotionally connected but at this point we've gotten to know so much about Park and Eleanor and we've gotten to know so much about Park and Eleanor together so it just made the moment all that more impactful and all that more significant and all that it made it so much more of a standout to me in the genre because I don't think I would be getting these sensations I wouldn't be getting this happy if it was anything else but this book I think what made the romance so great was how Raoul wrote the levels of intimacy because she starts out with Park and Eleanor on the bus and he kind of just like lets her read the comic books and they don't really she says that they don't really talk to each other that's just most of what they do they just read these comic books together and then it kind of escalates to them talking and then escalates to the hand holding and then it also has things like that so physically it's it's escalating but also emotionally like the way that they feel is getting deeper and deeper throughout the story but it's also she also has these levels of intimacy that are more subtle like Later in the book, when Eleanor starts going to Park's house all the time, and she kind of interacts more with his family, and the fact that it gets to a point where if Eleanor's not there, Park's family starts to question why. There, I think there's such a level of intimacy of getting to know your significant other's family, because that's those are the people that like raised him, those are the people he cares about and loves him, and he loves them. And just to have that place where it's like you kind of belong there with them as well is a subtle intimacy but one that's so important and I love the fact that she put that in there. It was such a layered romance and the emotions weren't having to play catch up with the physicality. I think if anything the emotions led to the physicality instead of physicality leading to emotions. That was so wonderfully said. That could end a TED talk. Really? I'm not kidding. I can't tell if you're being serious right now. <laughs> Ted himself <laughs> would come down onto the stage and give you a handshake. I also think in, I think you've mentioned this, but in other YA novels, what happens, especially in fantasy, is that the characters' situations almost force them to be together, and that's why they end up having a relationship. But in Eleanor and Park, like, it's a choice for them. It's a choice for Eleanor and Park that they want to be together. It's not something that they were driven to. Mm -hmm. Their relationship isn't inevitable. If they want it to happen, they have to be the ones to make it happen. And it makes it so much more pure, heartfelt hmm. for me. Instead of the idea of soulmates, like, you are destined to be together... You're choosing to be together. I think it was real because in in real life, you don't have some dooming destiny that's forcing you to be with someone or because of the convenience of a situation, you ultimately find yourself falling in love with someone. In real life, you do have to fight if you want a relationship. You have to actively pursue it. And Eleanor and Park did that, and that's what made the love feel true, was because it was their own desires forcing them together, not some fate. No. And their relationship was not perfect, because they are not perfect. You know, Park would say something that was a little bit flawed, and then Eleanor would kind of 
hide away in herself because that's what she's used to. And that's how she, like, protected herself. And the author shows this in their relationship and shows how teenagers struggle. You know, they struggle with their own conflicts and that in turn can kind of throw a dent into their relationship. But the fact that, like, Park and Eleanor had this, one, made the relationship a bit more realistic, but it also showed that, like, you can you can work through it. It's something. It's not something that's completely detrimental to a relationship. I feel like a lot of times in relationships you're presented with a problem and you never see it resolved in a book or in a movie. But in Eleanor and Park, I felt it was. Yeah, if they thought about something, then they would mention it later and they would say, "I I don't want to, I don't want this to end our relationship. I want to talk about it." And I thought that was a really great way of showing a teenage relationship in high school. So when Park starts sharing things with Eleanor, like his Walkman and stuff like that, she begins to say, no, no, I can't take it because I don't have any batteries to to listen to it. And she's a little bit embarrassed about it, which I can kind of relate to. Mm-hmm. And, and so Park goes home that day and he just scavenges his entire house for batteries just to just to try to give them to her and i had a note in my bad handwriting and it says park asked for double a batteries just because it was just so cute it i just he is he was so thoughtful and because he didn't have to do that they were they weren't really romantically involved at that point their connection was starting and so the fact that he just he knew that she took joy in participating in something that he was lucky to have. And so he wanted to share it with her and give her the opportunity to share, give the opportunity to share it with her. And so he provided the means to help do that. And it's, I mean, they're double A batteries, right? They're, they're not really anything, but the fact that like he took it out of appliances and he asked his grandma for some and everything, it was just such a sweet moment. Like, I think that was a very, telling part of Park's character because it just showed that even though he's not romantically involved with her, he still thinks about her and thinks of how to make her smile, basically. Oh, oh, okay, okay. We have to talk about this one where Eleanor babysits for her dad and then she mentions to Park that she's going to have access to a phone and that she wants his phone number and he like he keeps trying to give it to her and like writing it down for her because he doesn't want her to forget it and he's just the way that he says it though like i have it highlighted he says well first eleanor doesn't want it his number written because he's she's afraid that her mom or richie's gonna see it which would be very bad and so then parks is just like i'm just afraid you're gonna forget it he said quietly he pushed her hair out of her eyes with this And just the whole, the whole phone conversation, I was just, if I was on the ground, I would have been tapping my feet with excitement. I was just going, "Ah!" you know, I was just in my, in my little bed, covers up. And I was just, I was just, again, it's just that feeling of happiness. Park was just so eager for it. Like he did, he did nothing to hide it. He was like, I really want to call you and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it possible. It would be so extraordinary to have someone show such excitement just to talk to you. I loved how when Park got home, he was just anticipating her call. He was, he was kind of almost guarding the phone. And then ultimately when she does call, he's like, I'm taking this to my room. And he just, he just could not wait. And in this phone conversation, the author does such an amazing job of just conveying the depth and the gravity of the conversation because she doesn't over explain any of what, of how they're saying things, of why they're saying things, how they're feeling. She just lets the reader fill it in. What do you mean? So like, um, let's see, let me, so example, like she says, Park said, or Eleanor said a lot. Said isn't going, she, 
cried or she moaned or she she snickered or you're saying that how they're like their emotions and the way that they're saying things is filled in oh yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah Mm -hmm. the dialogue is literally speaking for itself it is i didn't i didn't realize it until right now and that's how because if you look at the page and obviously i know everyone can't see the page but if you look at the page it's not paragraphs no they're just they're just lines they're just lines, and yet they have me freaking out. <laughs> I love, too, how Park is asking, you know, where, where are you in the house on the phone? And, and he tries to imagine that he's right next to her and that he's in the same scene as her. And, and for a moment in the scene, it really is like the phones have been erased the way it was written it does feel like they're right next to each other how how do you do that how do you write that i don't know she she did it for some i don't her writing style is so unique but it it is this story could not exist without it no other author could have written eleanor and park with the impact that it did Mm mm-mm Now, of course, one of the biggest moments after, well, I guess during that call is when on page 114, Park says, accidentally, I love you. (laughs) I just, okay, okay. So, so like, Park and Eleanor are having, like, honestly, I could have, like, this hour rant or discussion just on the phone call itself because there's just so much to it because it's the first time that they're really talking to each other without being scared of being hurt by other people and then like there's this little build-up it's just a little one where they're trying like park is finally figuring things out about eleanor that she doesn't want to have said and then She's kind of scared because she doesn't know when her father's going to come home. She doesn't want to see her on the phone. And then he comes home and then Park's like, wait, no. Like, I don't want this to be over. I don't want this to be over. She's like, I don't remember exactly what Eleanor said. To be exact because I just kind of like liked Park's sides a bit, honestly. But like, it's the tension of like her father like coming in, like his car parking, her seeing the lights, him opening the door, her trying to like get Park off the phone so that she doesn't get in trouble and... All of a sudden, he just, like, blurts it out, like, Eleanor, I, I love you. I like the fact that he didn't regret it, that, that he regretted for saying it so quickly, but not because it's not, he didn't, not because he didn't feel it. Like, he was like, of course I love her. Like, that's, a, that's just a thing. And just the way, the way that it was built up, the tension, and, like, the fact that, she, like, Eleanor just kind of, like, her reaction to it as well, all of it mixed together just... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, this book turned me into a big, mushy, soppy, heart-having mess. Oh, when I was reading this book, I was like, Taylor, you're pathetic. <laughs> I'm See, like, you are, you, you can't be saying what you feel, you are wiggling your toes like an excited little kid i'm like you are so pathetic and it's so wonderful (laughs) so yeah like my cynical side was like kami why are you reacting like this you loser you're so pathetic come on get it together but then i was like i don't want to get it together this is great this yeah i think what i what i appreciated about the romance in this book was that Park kind of had a flawed perspective of things in that he was kind of embarrassed by Eleanor. In the beginning of the book, like he kind of starts to realize that he likes her and he really wants to be with her, but it's like he doesn't want to be seen with her. And Eleanor kind of like catches up on that and it makes her feel really bad, you know, as it would. Understandably. But I love the fact that, A, the part had these thoughts because you don't see that. Like, in any other book that I've read, like, the guy's just like, yeah, I like her, and that's it. 
It's not a romantic thing to think. No, it's not. But the fact that, like, he had these thoughts, but then he just, like, kind of resolved it within himself. I thought that was a really great thing for Raul to do. And he resolved it in the way he treated her, too. Because I'm not saying Park treated her badly, but he, he would say to Eleanor, you know, smile before you meet my mom and, and kind of try to... I don't want to say correct things, but kind of alter things before she could, in his mind, ruin. And ruin isn't the right word, but that's the sense. Like, he would try to keep her from being her a little bit. But then ultimately, he he stops doing that. And he says, I'm sorry for saying smile. That's not That's not what was okay for me to say. And ultimately, I think he kind of goes from being embarrassed by her to being proud of her. Very accepting of, like, who she is as a person. And and he sees her past everything that he did even before. He almost sees a, a new Eleanor when he decides to see all of her. And I think he also said that he sees a new him. Mm-hmm. Because he, and later in the book, I think Park describes how he used to see Eleanor. And he kind of like berates himself for it. He's like, that's that's not who I want to be. Like, I want to see Eleanor for who she is now. Which is such a cute... Well, who she has always been, but who I am finally seeing her yes, as yes. now. Yeah. When Park got Eleanor the necklace... Oh! When I read it, I didn't even know what a pansy was, but I was like, he got her a necklace and he put it on really sweetly and he imagined, he got her the necklace because he loved to imagine the moment where he would put it on her and he got to live that and I got to live that. Okay, secret confession time. That is something I've always wanted a guy to do, to buy me a necklace because he thinks like it reminds me of him or something or has some special meaning. And him like putting it on. Cause I think I got it from high school musical. <laughs> <laughs> Troy Gabriella! Yeah, in high school musical too. <laughs> when she goes, what's the T for? Troy! I mean <laughs> What oh. yeah, is that moment? I don't know. Like I've always wanted that to happen. And when that happened in, in Eleanor and Park, I was I oh uh, it's like all the things I wanted to happen to me in a romantic relationship happened in this book. What did you think about their first kiss? Oh, it was so sweet. It was so sweet because I think it's very telling of how a first kiss would be. You know, it wasn't passionate. It wasn't something that just went out of control. It was very gentle, but it was filled with so much emotion. And the fact that they like had to like hide away to do it, the fact that he did like in between this like little place that he knew, and the fact that he did it more than once. That was that was what killed me in that scene. <laughs> so the context leading up to the scene, Eleanor has been going over to Park's house a few times and uh one night she has to go home. And so Park says, well, can I at least walk you out a little bit? I know I can't walk you to your, to your house, but can I walk you out a little bit? She goes, yeah. And he leads her behind the RV and then they kiss. And like you said, I just, I loved that it wasn't perfect, but in that it wasn't perfect, it was perfect. And I just love how... Park led up to it. I love their reactions. It was just so sweet. It was so sweet. I think in that scene, Eleanor was a little bit like, like, I don't know how to kiss you. I don't know what I'm doing. And then Park was just so gentle and he was so sweet. And he was like, he basically was like, that doesn't matter. Kate, see, Kate, this, this is what, like, I love this passage. Her face dropped after a second and he let his hand fall on her shoulder. Okay, he whispered. She nodded. He pulled her closer and kissed the top of her head. He tried to find her ear under all that hair. Come here, he said. I want to show you something. She laughed. He lifted her chin. The second time was even less terrible. 
Which is like implies that he kissed her more than once. And it was so cute. I was like, hey, I want to show you something. Like he's so like coy and playful and flirty and sweet and gentle. And I love him. I love how the next day that the kiss has them so giddy, buzzing, I'd say. And how she's so excited to see him at the bus stop. And he is just, he just wants to sweep her up. And, and through the kiss, they begin to notice even more things about each other. It makes you so happy. Yeah. And, and I can't really pinpoint what makes me so happy about it. Just that I'm just happy. Like, just thinking about it makes me all giddy. Like, I'm not even reading the book right now and just thinking about it. All like little descriptions is making me so happy. Anything else you'd like to add about the romance? Um, there are so many things I'd like to. <laughs> like we haven't even gone to the steamier bits. Oh my gosh, the steamier bits! Page two hundred and fifty. It's is, hot. Is it when they go to Park's house? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh okay. It's it's right after so. The day before this, Eleanor's clothes were, her normal clothes were stolen out of her PE locker and were flushed down the toilet. So she had to, unfortunately, kind of do a strut in front of the entire school in this gym outfit. Very tight, very short. Very short. And, and she sees Park and based off Park's reaction, Eleanor just thinks terribly of herself. But then in the next chapter, you figure out that Park was not, Park was feeling the exact opposite. Park was, how do I say this in a polite, professional manner? You can't. He was horny AF. <laughs> the sight of her in such form-fitting clothing sent him into a frenzy of Teenage desires. boy desire. Yes. And so the next day, when Eleanor comes over to his house, he just kisses her. And it's kind of one of the hottest kisses in the book. It's just, it is. Because first you like, you describe it like Park stayed home um, when his, like, his family went out. And he kind of like vacuumed and stuff. And then he like ended up like taking a nap. And then he hears a knock on the door, but he's still like half asleep. The fact that he's half asleep kind of like adds to well, it. Well, it's kind of sexy. <laughs> like the way that he like, it's almost like he's kind of like not in his right mind. And like he sees Eleanor and he's like, yes. He's kind of more passionately guided by emotion than thought. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of like what we talked about last time where you don't want your characters, you don't want a character to lose control, but you do want them to kind of let go a little bit sometimes. And Park let go. He pulled Eleanor in and they kissed. Oh, it's just the way that Rao describes it too. Like, Park was opening the screen door, pulling in, pulling her in by her shirt sleeve. He didn't even close the door before he put his arms around her, his entire arms, all down the length of her back. Hot. <laughs> H-O-T. Like, he kicked the door closed. I would miss. <laughs> it would take me three tries to keep the door closed. <laughs> what I loved was when um, he goes to move away. So it reads, Park pulled away from her and tried to think clearly again. Where are you going? She, Eleanor, asked. I don't know. Nowhere. My parents should be home soon. We should get it together. Okay, she said and sat up. But she looked so bewildered and beautiful that he climbed back on top of her and pushed her all the way down. A half hour later, he tried again. He stood up this time. I just love how there's that pull and release where they they can't stay away from each other. And even when he ultimately leaves, she goes, go, Eleanor said, don't look back. And it's finally then that he's kind of able. But it's just that kind of that resistance where it's like, oh, no, I can't leave yet. Oh, um, I got to kiss you again. Oh, it's like they reached like this point where like everything was like passion and everything. It was just kind of like sort of like unraveling and it kind of went to this like low point and that's when they kind of like a little bit like woke up from like the their kiss and then park sees her and he just dives right back in it's just just that magnetism where if they pull away they come right back i love that tension oh i love that tension and throughout this kiss i think it was really sweet the way that park was 
a little bit more passionate and Eleanor was a little bit more gentle. Because, mm-hmm. like, I think in one of her chapters or, like, one of her perspectives throughout the kiss, um, it reads, she touched part softly, gingerly, just in case she touched him wrong. Like, she's just, she's hesitant, mm-hmm. but not in a bad way. More so in the desire that she wants this to be right. Yeah. And I think there's just the the level of intimacy that Rouse shows in this scene is very physical, but it's one that okay, this is gonna this is gonna sound weird, okay, but just to hear me out. I've always liked the idea of like exploring someone's body. Like learning them. A little bit. Like there is something really intimate about touching someone. But it's, like, more of, like, learning more about them through the touch. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, she might be a little bit more reactive if I touch her here. Mm-hmm. This is what she feels like uh, under the, on this place. Like, maybe, like, the, the dips inside of her on her waist. Just, like, you learn so much more about a person when you, like, explore their body in a way. There's emotional love that you feel, and then the physical love that you map out on each other's bodies. Yeah, it's like, it's not just physical. With the touch, it's just kind of like realize, it's The touch is to learn what they love. It's to learn what they love, but it's also just realizing that they are this person, almost. It's almost like having this epiphany or realization of, this is the person that I love. It's connecting what you feel inside to the outside of someone else. If that makes sense. I don't know if that no, yeah, sounded it's like, creepy. No, but. no, no. It's kind of like knowing who they are on the inside. Like their personality, their soul and such. And kind of having it almost wrap around them on their outside, on their body. And like learning about that through your physical touch. Being able to feel love and then be able, being able to show your love to someone else in how you treat them and how you make out with them. <laughs> I also love the fact that both of them are like a little bit like shy and they're embarrassed and they do feel these emotions, but something inside of them just kind of like overrides it, you know? Because Eleanor even mentions that what she felt she would usually be embarrassed about, he didn't make her feel that way through how he treated her in the kiss. Just someone who can make you feel like your insecurities are beautiful, that's just a really extraordinary, precious thing. It's not something that you typically think about as being romantic, but it's something that I think would warm you to like your very core and insecurity is so it's such a vulnerable part of you it's one of those cracks you feel in your foundation that would be so easy to tip over if someone pushed a little too hard but for someone like park to rather than push reinforce and make her into a stronger person by how he respectfully treated her where do i get that seriously where I just want a guy to be proud of the fact that I can eat a whole pizza by myself. (laughs) (laughs) One of, okay, one of my favorite things, absolute favorite things that Park does, like the little things that he does, is the fact that he loves saying Eleanor's name. Like, there's this one, during the phone conversation, he says, it's just a little description. Like I said, Raul has this, like you said, like we both said, (laughs) Ralph has this great way of making such subtle things so meaningful. And I think the line reads, Eleanor, he said, just because he liked saying it. I just, as a person who has a more unusual name, and you know, in conversation, you don't really hear your name a lot. As a person who like has all of these little things, the fact that he loved saying her name because it was her name was... So endearing. And I feel that if 
if Park was real and he was actually speaking, it wouldn't matter how many Eleanors he may have known. He will only say her name with the love and the devotion and the care and the attention that he does. It's so sweet. I can't. I literally can't. But then they also do have like those steamy moments like their little date, which first became is so hilarious because they're just hanging out with Park's mom because his dad's out, his little brother's out. And then Park's mom's like, why don't we go get some dinner? And then Park and Eleanor don't really know like her intentions with this, right? And they're like, oh yeah, sure. Like, what do you want and stuff? She's like, why don't you, why don't you go to like, go get pizza? And then she's like, oh wait, I'm not hungry. Maybe you guys should just like go by yourselves in the car. Alone. Who knows what'll happen? <laughs> it's just, that's how it starts. It's kind of funny. And I love that Park's mom like supports it now and everything. And then it's so cute to me because on their date, Eleanor doesn't really know where to go. So then Park just takes her to his favorite places and kind of shows her more about him, like his record store and like this restaurant that he likes and everything. And then they get back in the car. And Ellen, I, I think it's interesting because Park isn't really feeling, like he might be thinking it, like he might be a little bit like, oh, what's the correct way of saying this? Um, the thought of it, the thought of a little bit more physical affection isn't quite on his mind like Eleanor's because Eleanor is the one that kind of initiates it. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that it was just built up with him kind of like trying to put the key into the ignition and her grabbing his arm and him just like scooping her up like he's like I was just waiting for the moment where you said it was okay and I'm gonna take it <laughs> and their passion makes the kiss imperfect they're they're kind of everywhere with each other they're they're all over the place with each other and they transition into the back seat and just the fact that they can't get enough of each other that in this moment they just want to exist together i think this kiss scene compared to the one at park's house like you said before it's just so different because the one in park's house held so much emotional connection and this one while it still was emotional it added more to the physical like they just couldn't get enough of each other like legitimately just like physically and you can tell the difference between the two so one of the hardest things with Eleanor and Park one of the main controversies is that it has a lot of negative body image both from one of the protagonists herself and what the people around her say about her as well as racism in that Park thinks negatively of himself because of the perceptions of those around him. And we talk, we've we talked about this before. It was never resolved for either one of the characters. There was never a solution to Eleanor and her negative body image. And there was never a resolution to what Park thought about himself because of the perceptions at those times. And so it can be hard to see it included in the book when they're not immediately or at all dealt with. Yeah. I actually wouldn't have minded Park's internalized racism if it was resolved a little bit more. Because as a child of immigrants, that's actually something that I had to go through as well. Because I grew up in a predominantly white community and I just it just kind of starts within you from a young age, just people's misconceptions about your race and the way that they kind of treat you and everything. So you kind of start hating yourself and your race and you kind of try to separate yourself from that. And I can, I related to Park in that way where you don't really, you don't appreciate your race or your heritage for what it is because of the way that, because of the environment that you grew up in. So, I would have liked it if Raoul would have maybe delved a little bit more into it. She kind she did mention it and it was something that was on Park's mind, but it was never really talked about in depth. It wasn't like a main conflict of his. And so 
in my opinion, it would have been better if he had maybe dealt a little bit more with that and maybe interacted a bit more with his mother, who was Korean, who was, you know, the immigrant, basically. And just, he does have this one scene with his mom where she's a little bit drunk. She'd had some wine and stuff, and she kind of talks about her life in South Korea. And in my opinion, that's kind of like a big part. That's a big part of the lives of immigrant children. Because you don't really understand where your parents came from because you don't grow up the same way that they do. And so when they talk about it, when they talk about how it was for them in their country and how they came here, you kind of understand a little bit more about your own race and a little bit about your own culture and heritage. And so that did happen a little bit, but it never went anywhere. It never went anywhere with Park and his mom. And so I just wish that Raul had maybe done a little bit more with that. If maybe some of the conflict would have been with Park and his internalized racism. Or even if at the end, you know, because Park goes through a bit of a journey where he has to, he learns to accept Eleanor for who she is. So if in paired with that, he could have accepted who he was and have been proud of both. And the same for Eleanor with Park. Then it could have been kind of a dual resolution where you wouldn't feel that some aspects of the stories were left where the characters were still in a way unhappy. Yeah. Well, I don't even... For Park's internalized racism, I don't even... I didn't need to see like it completely resolved. Like, I'm so okay with who I am. I'm half Korean. That's who I am. I'm super proud of it. Like, I didn't need to see that. But I wanted to see almost like baby steps towards becoming okay with that. I wanted to see Park's like start of his acceptance of his ethnicity basically yeah that's a good point even if it wasn't resolved in this book if there were a few seeds planted of i'm beginning this journey of loving myself and my heritage and where my family came from then at least that would give the sense of even though we may not see it maybe one day park will come full circle yeah he'll come to terms with it he'll he'll accept it he doesn't need to accept it immediately because realistically that's not what happened it's not just like oh i get into this relationship and she likes me for who i am so i'm gonna be totally okay with this thing inside of me that's been there since i was a child it doesn't happen that way but that's the thing that was missing park's beginning of his resolve towards his internalized racism and the same could be said for eleanor's body shaming so like maybe she doesn't like her weight or the way that she looks but even if she just like kind of started to like the way that she looked to accept this is my body i should love it because it's mine she doesn't need to be completely in love with herself and be completely confident but just to like you said just to see those like little seeds would have been would have been enough and would have been a really great thing for the readers to see Now, for those of you who don't know, this is actually Taylor's first time reading Eleanor and Park. This is about my third time. And I remember when she finished the book because she texted me almost in hysterics. Very about, angry. <laughs> about how it ended. How did, how, how did you feel, Tay? I hate, yet I understand. That in books, you don't always get the happy ending. I'm okay with that. I don't, I don't, a lot of the times I actually appreciate the sad endings more because they make me feel a little harder. Like this book did. But I would like to know if Eleanor Park reconnect at some point. They didn't even get to go to prom. And then, and, and he had planned it out. And he had to go with another girl and, and then Eleanor wouldn't write, write him a freaking letter, and I get it, because she's not trying to lead him on, lead him on in the way, like, for him to keep waiting for her when they're states apart. But she could have sent a letter, and then at the end she sends a postcard, and I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? Are they gonna, are they together? Are they gonna reconnect? She sent a postcard. Where's the sequel? <laughs> 
that's basically what you texted me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could have been reading from my phone right <laughs> But, see, what led to that, what led to their separation, was actually really depressing. Yeah. Because it's right after Eleanor and Park have their tech, like their first official date. And it's a really cute moment, but after Eleanor gets home, she finds her box, her box of things that she that are precious to her, and it's just all strewn around and everything's kind of destroyed. And she finds this note from Richie, which basically confirms that Richie's the one who's been writing Eleanor all these really disturbing and really gross things on her notebook. And then she realizes, I have to get out of this house. And that's just so depressing to me. It was a hard switch to go from really happy being with Park and having their first date to then having to come home and having a sharing the same sensation of a crashing reality with Eleanor to have to go through with her the panic and the fear and realizing that she no longer feels safe in her house. I mean, she never felt completely safe to begin with, but to now truly know that she isn't. Yeah, to like, I feel like Eleanor just kind of pretended like things were okay. And then she kind of hit the moment where she was like, I can't, I can't do that anymore. And so after she realizes that, she actually just kind of like goes around. She kind of starts debating, do I go to Park's house? She's, cause she's, she doesn't want to involve him in her issues because that's not something that you want someone to go through. And then Tina kind of just pops up out of nowhere. She's like, yeah, your stepdad's been driving around looking for you. And Tina's like, come in here, we can hide you. Which I think is kind of, not necessarily like a complete redemption for Tina, but it's a moment because then Steve makes a comment where he's like, oh, what? That's her stepdad? Oh, why don't I kill him? I'm going to kill Tina's anyway, which kind of like implies that Tina kind of is going through a similar situation that Eleanor is. So I just think that was just... A nice moment for Tina to know like, oh, I understand Eleanor's situation. I'm going to help her. Even in all her hostility, which she shouldn't have been rude to Eleanor in the first place, but even in all her hostility, she saw Eleanor and she helped her. Yeah. And then Park kind of, Park came in and it was a really sad moment between the two of them because, you know, they don't want to leave each other, but she can't stay. They realize that in order to protect Eleanor, in order to protect her family as well, that Park has to drive Eleanor to her uncle's place in Minnesota. And that that's the only way to keep her safe. But in doing so, that will separate them. And just, well, one, Park is really hot when his dad kind of like agrees to it and like gives him some money so that he can take Eleanor. And he's like, but you're taking the truck, which... Throughout the book, it's like, oh, Park can't drive a stick because of his, the pressure from his dad. And all of a sudden, he's able to do it. He zooms off. And I'm not going to lie, Park was really hot in that moment. Oh, the stick. Oh, but just the, as they're like going through their journey and Eleanor's just kind of preparing to say goodbye like almost permanently. And you can feel Park. And he's like, no, I don't want that. I don't want this to be permanent. This is just going to be a temporary thing and you're going to come back. But then you don't get that at the end. They, in a way, almost promise to each other that they will write each other. And then she ultimately doesn't. And I, and I get why. I think it's because she doesn't know when they'll reconnect. If they ever will. And so I think she's trying to not lead him on, in a way. In that he will be able to move on in his life without her. Because the reality is they probably will never see each other again. But it's never confirmed because it's never explicitly said, okay? So we don't freaking know if that's the truth. <laughs> but she doesn't write him. He goes to prom without her. He basically spends a year without her. And without ever hearing from her. And that devastation... Well, it's not even, I, I almost don't want to call it devastation because I don't think Park is a wreck after this. I think he's hollow. I think it's a silent devastation because he doesn't let it control his life. Like he, 
still goes to school. He got a job. You know, he's kind of like going through it. So he still feels it, but it's not taking over his life. He's sad. Well, I mean, of course he's sad, but he's still able to keep going. He's still able to function. What killed me was like the hope because he was like, she's going to call. She's going to write. And whenever the mail came in, Park went and saw if it was, if she has written him anything, he would try to hear if anyone would call. And then he actually ends up going to Eleanor's house, her old house, where he meets Richie. I'm not going to lie. This part satisfied me a little bit because Park kind of like interacts with Richie and basically wants, wants to fight him, wants to beat him up. But instead he basically just like kicks gravel on him and Richie in his drunken state just kind of like falls over. And I think that A shows just kind of like his anger towards her situation and just his anger towards the fact that she kind of made the promise without ever actually intending to keep it. I think in that particular scene with the stepdad, it was a good way to show to what Park had learned from Eleanor. Because earlier in the book, when Park had a fight with Steve, Eleanor told him, no, don't fight. I don't want this. So if you're doing this for me, you won't fight him. And in the end, Park is set up with that same opportunity of I could fight this guy, this drunk guy who derailed Eleanor's life. But would he be doing that for Eleanor? Yeah, he, he, he matured. He growed. He growed. <laughs> <laughs> he grew. He growed. <laughs> oh. But as soon as I read the handwritten note, the first one, that Eleanor got on her notebook, I knew it was her stepfather that. Oh, I it. didn't. I, oh, you didn't. I didn't. I'm just. I'm the type of person that doesn't like to figure it out beforehand. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you no, like to I'm, go yeah, along. I like to go along with it. That's just that's just me. My mind's always going. <laughs> trying to solve things, but just the way that, and I think Prowl, the author, did a good job of this. The way that Eleanor acted around her stepfather, the way in certain ways she didn't feel safe, showed his intentions. Like, she didn't feel safe bathing when he was in the house. She didn't like to look at him or to be in the same room as him. He didn't. She didn't like the feeling of him looking at her, which is horrendous, of course. Raul did a good job of building that conflict up I feel in a realistic way in a way that even if you've never been through it before you could feel yeah her whole just her home life in general how she wanted to help her mother how Eleanor wanted to help her siblings but she couldn't and just her relationship with her biological father her relationship with Richie and everything I think like you said, she did a good job of making you feel what it's like to be in that kind of environment and just kind of the fear that comes along with it and almost the isolation because you don't want someone, you don't want to bring someone you care about into that fear, into that terror and all of that. But like I said, I, I don't think every story has to end happily and I'm actually, I'm fine when they don't. Well, I'm emotionally wrecked, but I'll, I'll survive. But I just, the, what I hate isn't a happy ending. It isn't a sad ending. It's not knowing. <laughs> That's honestly what drives me insane. That's what sends me through the little roof. That's what makes me text you in all caps. <laughs> it's just, okay, the, the ending was just like, she sent the postcard with three little words, which are obviously, I love you, which she didn't <laughs> say. <laughs> what if they weren't? <laughs> It's like, beans will chill. <laughs> it could be it. You don't Three know. Small world. You don't know. Well, you assume. you. It's implied. It's implied. That it's, I love you. Because Park said it a lot of times to Eleanor, but she was never able to say it back. So for her to then, a year after, say, I love you, I feel like that would be an even harder blow than if she had written him the entire time. 
I think her, like, her sending that postcard after so long, one, gave Park some hope. But like you said, it's almost like, then why didn't you do it from the beginning? But at the same time, I kind of get, I, I get Eleanor's point because she really wants to be with him. Like, that's a desire for her. And it's a desire for him. And since they're apart, they don't see, like, the damage or, like, the pain, the hollowness that comes with it. But I think that as she was going through her school life and everything and her life in Minnesota with her uncle, it just kind of, like, built up. And then she just, she's like, I never said I love you. And so then she just kind of finally broke and was like, I got to do it or else she's going to regret it. And so at the very, it just, it gives you hope, but I feel like it might not be enough. Uh, the only hope I will be satisfied with is if they end up together. I don't think that's a hope. <laughs> I think that's a confirmation. <laughs> I, I think that's me using the force, <laughs> willing it to happen. But it's hard because what is Park supposed to do with that? He goes, oh great, the girl that I loved didn't. Love letter me for a year. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing, is it loved? Is it past tense? Oh, I mean to still... say love. Oh. Sorry. I, I I said loved just because it was in the past. I, mm -hmm. I still think he loves her. But for her to not say anything and then one day to be like, I love you, if I was Parker, I'd be like Dang, flab it, <laughs> In conclusion, this book destroyed us. Yeah. Thank you all so much for joining us in today's in-depth discussion about Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell. We hope that you will join us in our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed our content, don't be afraid to subscribe to the series and follow us on social media. On both Twitter and Instagram, we go by the handle at Kiwi and the Bird. And because it's spooky October, remember that like a library at Huey and the Bird, shh, happens. If you made it this far, get ready for some bloopers. If I voice crack one more time. <laughs> Oh. But then, like, where do, where does this part go? Where do your caps go? <laughs> like, it's just like right. Like that would hurt. Ow. <laughs> That's what I don't get. How do you fit there? Like the whole well, like, straddling theme. Sure. Have fun kicking the gear shift. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. It's just so cute. I want that said to me. <laughs> yeah. Someone looks at me and they're like, "So you're the jester that gets killed in the first half. <laughs> you're the." I'm the funny best friend, you're the antagonist. <laughs> that BuzzFeed quiz, I was like, man, they didn't have to do me like that. <laughs> they had some good kisses in the book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have to stop making these sounds. <laughs> oh. oh, sorry. I almost just yanked my headphones out because I got so excited <laughs> about this scene. Page 250 is where they get a little spicy and a little steamy. I'm pretty sure, so after page 268, I was too involved. <laughs> and so my notes stopped. Right? That's what happens to me. I was just like blushing. I was like, y'all need holy water, but don't stop. <laughs> Anytime I read a car kiss scene. Actually, I haven't read a lot of them. This is probably the first car kiss scene I've read. <laughs> You've probably seen them a lot on TV shows. But though. yes. When I come to read a car kiss scene, I always think of Titanic Oh, because it's foggy and her hand is like, and it slides off the thing. And I'm like, isn't that sweaty? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when Eleanor um, kind of refers to like fogging up the windows, I, the first thing I thought of was Titanic. Oh, seriously. Like how did, how do people do it? Because they'd go up to like the makeout places. Cause you know, like every city has like a makeout place. Right. And ours has like. The one up by the cemetery. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's another one with like that like oversees the city. And I know this only because I would sometimes go with some friends and we'd just like shine 
lights at them, <laughs> like annoying people. You can't sit forward. Be- Who's gonna fit there? <laughs> <laughs> or again, if if I'm the man, where are my legs? <laughs> Welcome to the sixth episode of Kiwi and the Bird, Book Nerds in Session. I'm Taylor. I'm Kami. And in this episode, we're going to go into an in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, is that John Cena? <laughs> Alert! Alert! <laughs> That's one of my biggest fears. What? Getting electrocuted? Yeah, by my earphones. Oh. I saw a Lucifer episode where that happened, Kami. <gasps> He was a DJ. He was like, yeah. That's like one and of he, my biggest fears. And his body fell into the crowd and the crowd stripped <laughs> Okay, it's not one of my biggest fears. It's one of my more irrational fears. Actually, while we were setting up that display outside for Halloween, I was plugging a light in. And I plug it in and it goes all the way up my arm. And I was like, ow! Ow! And Kenna goes, did that hurt? <laughs> said terribly but i hope the gist was it came out (laughs) it because okay it gives him hope because she finally sorry i was thinking of oof (laughs) sorry Sorry, i don't know what made me think of it sorry sorry rear view mirrors (laughs) hey guys (laughs) stick your hands out you're not thinking you're just looking and so is it like tree <laughs> road <laughs> car <laughs> i mean what is edward seeing it isn't <laughs> but then it's hard because okay so she didn't write him for about a year Oof. <laughs> <laughs> face in the sunlight as he's still sleeping with his eyes fluttering a little bit that's the sequel you want? I want to see Cal end up with that one. <laughs> oh, with Kim? With the, with the big breasts? Oh. I forgot that that tidbit. Tid what? tit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at my own joke. <laughs> it was, I, that was clever. Oh, thank tit you. tit from tidbit? Yeah. Here I think the inconclusiveness of it. I kind of like it because it kind of like lets you imagine where things go. No. (laughs) Probably around the middle of the book, I would guess. Park has a con- con front? Con front flick. Con front flick? (laughs) Wait, what? That's a combination of confrontation conflict. Oh! Con front flick. <laughs> What's quinoa? Uh, do you mean quinoa? <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining today's in-depth discussion about Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell. We really hope that you will join us. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us in our... Oh. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And you know what, Taylor? You know what Kiwi and the Bird is like? What? From the same guy who thinks that if you leave any sort of fruit juice out for longer than five minutes, it ferments and becomes alcohol. What are you talking about? It was orange juice. 
goes, oh, if juice sits for longer than five minutes, it ferments. I'm like, okay, one, you're not going to get drunk <laughs> off of orange juice. And two, fermentation takes a really long time. <laughs> I can't even throw it away. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, just to be safe. <laughs> oh, no, what is it? You need to remember that, like a library, at Kiwi and the Bird, shit happens. happens. <laughs> I said it. Did I say it? Passionately, you were like, shit happens. <laughs> Go get ya. Oh. We were surprisingly insane. Yeah. Wow. It was so friendly. Wow. I meant to be like, Go get ya. <laughs> <laughs> Go get ya. <laughs>